Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, boxing fans. This is Jenna Jay, and I'm welcome to the 262nd edition of On the Ropes Boxing Radio. And I have a great show in store for you guys this week. I'll be joined by three guests. I'll be having the return of trainer Abel Sanchez, who will be on to discuss the very big upcoming fight between Sewell, Canel Alvarez, and Gennady Golovkin. That fight now is less than two weeks away, so I'm definitely excited to talk to Abel about that particular fight. In addition to Abel, I will also have on the promoter of K2 Promotions, Tom Loeffler, who will also be giving his views on the Canelo versus Golovkin promotion, talking about the buildup so far and what he expects in the fight itself. But to open up this week's show, I have a very special returning guest, now making his seventh appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm joined by trainer Iceman John Scully. How's it going today, John? Everything's uh, great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Definitely happy to be having you come back on the show, John. And I want to start things off with a fight that the fans were really looking forward to, a fight that a lot of people talked about, but you yourself actually resisted watching. You did not watch the live fight. You did not watch the replay. You did not buy into the hype, that fight being Mayweather versus McGregor. Why did you decide to boycott that fight? I mean, it was it wasn't even like really an issue for me. Like I, I just wasn't interested. Like I, I, I'm amazed, you know, I'm amazed how many people uh, are in, were interested. I'm amazed how much money it made. I'm amazed how many people, especially boxing people, were you know crazy over it. And I literally had no interest. Like I didn't I didn't care to see it. I didn't think it was even a big deal. I knew what was going to happen. I knew. I mean, I I, I said it like this. If you would have dared put McGregor in with John Porter or Keith Thurman, like he wouldn't have made it out of two or three rounds. He would have got he would have got blistered. It would have been ridiculous, uh, you know. And, and Floyd even alluded to that after the fight. He said he doesn't think Connor should even continue boxing because he's a counter puncher and he laid back and let let Connor wear out. He said these young guys won't do that. So. You know, Floyd knew all along what he was dealing with, and I knew what he was dealing with, and I was just perplexed how it really, you know, grew wings and took off because I, I didn't see the appeal at all. I guess, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just different, but I didn't see the appeal. All right. Well, that said, John, were you surprised by anything you heard in terms of people's reaction to the fight? No, not at all. Like, like they said, see, people, I guess. As I understand it, Floyd took it really easy in the beginning and let Connor throw punches and get off and whatever he did. And that's that's common boxing. That's what we do. I, I, I'm 50 years old. I'm 50. I've been boxing every year since I stopped. My, my last fight was in 2001. I've sparred every year since. And I spar with young guys. I spar with 22-year-old pros. I spar with guys uh, 18, you know, what have you. And and that's what I do. I take it easy in the beginning. I let them exert their energy, and then I, I get them tired. That's like a, a, you know, it's just the M.O. That's just what you do. And uh, so Floyd, it's like, I don't know if you remember, but, uh, you know, there, there was a fight. I think it was a fight it was, but uh, somebody said, 
Oh, man, he was winning every round. And they said, no, no, he won three rounds. The fight's 15 rounds. He only won three. He got knocked out in the fourth. And Mayweather, I mean, uh, McGregor came out fast, uh, from what I heard, and did okay. And But but more because Floyd led him, as I understand it. And people said, well, he did good. And I said, no, no, he did good in the beginning, but he didn't do good later. You know, he got stopped. You know, that's that's how professional boxing goes. Floyd set him up and... And drown. Like, like they say, the old saying, you, you take them to deep water and you drown. That's exactly what Floyd Mayweather did. And everybody in boxing that's really in boxing knew that was going to happen. That was a, I, like, I told my brother, my brother is a, is a, you know, he's not a boxing person. Two weeks ago, he's telling me Connor's going to knock Floyd out. <laughs> I'm saying, listen, Floyd's going to take him late. He's going to get him tired and he's going to stop him. I said, come on, man. That's, that's, I know that's what's going to happen. So I didn't need to pay a hundred dollars to find out what was going to happen. He already knew what was going to happen. And that's no disrespect to Connor. He shouldn't have been in there. He should not have been in there. And But they fooled. And that just shows you how human nature is. They fooled all these people into thinking that he was going to win. And it's just crazy to me. All right, well, John, that was the 50th win of Floyd Mayweather's career. Is there any significance in that accomplishment being that he did it against Connor McGregor? Nah, he, he, he ruined it for himself in a sense because instead of saying, yeah, Floyd got 50 wins in a row, everybody's going to say, yeah, but didn't, didn't he fight the wrestler? Didn't, didn't he fight a wrestler guy? Didn't he fight a, a karate guy? What'd he do? He didn't, he didn't fight a real fighter. So, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. You know, you're 50 and 0. I mean, come on. Like, that, like the guy in his pro view. I mean, if Floyd fought a, uh, if Floyd fought a kid that was 12 and 0, it wouldn't mean anything. And here he fought a guy zero and zero. So how's that going to mean anything? If you care about the money only, then he did a great thing and, and whatever, whatever. But if you care about your history and your legacy, I mean, Rocky Marciano fought Archie Moore for his 49th win. Floyd fought a wrestler for his 50th win. So, you know, that that, that explains itself. That's self-explanatory in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, John, I myself was not expecting a uh, great fight. I thought it would be something that might damage the sport in some ways. Um, I thought it would be another black eye after what happened with Mayweather versus Pacquiao. But overall, fan reception wasn't too bad. People didn't feel like they got completely robbed, even though they did, they just don't know it. But, you know, the reaction out there wasn't overly negative to the sport. There's a lot of places and stuff that weren't talking about boxing that were talking about other guys. They were talking about Wilder and Joshua maybe facing each other because – you know, they saw this fight. And I have to ask you, do you think that some good could come out of this matchup in the sense that more people found out about boxing and might be more interested in boxing? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? It was it was a, it was a chance. You know, you could take a chance and it could damage boxing. Uh, but actually, because Floyd eased off early and, and made it in, entertaining and, and everything, and because he walked him down and because he finished it, he stopped him, uh, I actually think it, it worked out. I think it worked out for the best. I think, uh, you know, people are still talking about it. I have people, I mean, literally in the last 24 hours, just every person I've seen has mentioned it to me at one point, people that I didn't even think knew anything about boxing, and they've mentioned it to me. So, uh, you know, we're lucky enough that it, that, that they didn't, you know, uh, have a detrimental outcome. I, I think it helped. I think it's going to get people's attention and, um you know, a lot of boxers consider it a win for boxing because, you know, the fact is, I mean, a lot of boxers and a lot of boxing people are at war with the MMA. You know, it's, it's one or the other. And, uh, you know, so they feel like they, they got a victory 
and um, they proved the point. So um, I, th- I think it is is a is a positive thing. It turned out to be positive, and I'm and I'm glad it did. All right, let's talk about the biggest positive for sport of boxing right now, and that is coming up in less than two weeks. We have Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin. I'm sure you're interested in seeing this fight here. Who are you uh, favoring in the fight, and why? Um, I think I'm going with Triple G uh, because one thing is the only guy who's really giving him trouble, like you know, obvious trouble, was Danny Jacobs, and uh, and he did so, but because Danny is Danny fought a beautiful fight, fought almost a perfect fight, uh, but it's, it's the main thing that he had was elusive movement. He, you know, he's got that rhythm and, and you know, like a almost like a like an Allen Iverson type of thing by comparison, uh, playing basketball. Canelo has movement. He has he has he has maneuvers that he uses, but he's not fluid with it. You know, he's not loose with it. He's not that that type of guy. Um, the, I think the main thing to look for, from my eye, is Triple G's jab. And the reason I say that because he's got a beautiful jab. Like his jab is, is is punishing. That's if he deserved the decision against Danny. That's why. Like the jab saved him in that fight. Uh, I was. The reason I say this is because I, I kind of thought Canelo was bigger than he actually is. Because I've I've met Triple G before. And I kind of got the impression he was kind of a small guy. Like he didn't compared to me anyway. I, I he struck me as being a small guy. But when I saw him and Canelo face to face at the at the press conference, I was really taken aback by how much bigger Triple G was. Like he he appeared to be much taller. I was I was really surprised. Um, and if you don't have that Danny Jacobs, and even Danny couldn't really avoid the jab like he wanted. You know, I, I'm sure Danny wished he. Miss more jabs than Triple G did, so I I can picture him controlling Canelo with the jab and and hurting him with the jab, busting him up a little bit. Um, and I think the jab is going to be the major major key, and and that's why I favor Triple G. All right, now John, what kind of fight do you think fans can expect? Do you think we're going to see a tactical fight, or do you think we're going to see an exciting fight where these guys go at each other? Um, it's it's going to be both. I mean, I think Triple G is. One one thing you gotta realize, uh, from his part of the world, they are a different mentality. They are not really interested in rock'em sock'em robots and you know Arturo Gotti and Holyfield and you know showing great fights. They want they want to win more than anything else. They want to win, and if it's tactical, then then that's what they have to do. Uh, but that being said, it's going to be a high intensity fight, a lot of emotions, a lot of uh, fanfare. Um, Canelo's going to bring a lot of energy because he's got a lot of, you know, you know, the fact is Mexican fighters more so than most other nationalities, they really have that fighting spirit. Like they take it seriously that they're Mexican and, and you know, and they have to fight a certain way and they have to bring the fight. Uh, so he's going to make Can- uh, Triple G fight. So I think Triple G is going to, is going to exchange, uh, and, and, and try and make it exciting at times. But uh, but above all, he's going to go for the win, and I think he's like I say, he's going to get behind the jab, hard jab, really hard jab, and um, you know I, I could see him taking shots because Canelo's going to be throwing them, but overall, I just think he, I just feel like he's a little too strong. He, he, he appears to be exceptionally strong for 160. Now, John, do you think like some fans think that if Golovkin doesn't stop Canelo that maybe he should worry about the fight going to decision if it's even reasonably close. 
Right, you know, there's there's always that. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, uh, politics and boxing are very prevalent. And, you know, these guys are powerful that, that Canelo has behind them. And, and, yeah, Triple G, I mean, um, you know, it's terrible that we have to even discuss that. But, yeah, you, gotta, you know, y'all, like, we've seen it too many times where, you know, this type of thing has happened. So, um, yeah, Triple G better be on his game and he better – he better be looking to do some damage, but but I do feel like I say I mean I think his power he's going to reach this guy because Canelo like I say he's not a big guy it's it's it's, it's too bad that he doesn't have that much range uh, compared to Triple G and he's not that tall because you know he's going to be getting hit I mean I mean he's going to get hit but the one thing you know when you have that kind of power you do a lot of physical damage even if you if you don't hurt the guy you say Canelo is really tough like a Chavez, and he's not getting hit, hurt. He's not getting dazed, or he's not getting drops. But your skin, your bones, your tissue, you know, it's going to be getting abused. It's going to get black and blue. It's going to swell up. Uh, he's going to take take uh, abuse. And, um, you know, so I, I think that's going to be obvious as, as the fight wears on. Like I said, Cano's going to really have to fight a very, very smart fight. And, you know, Danny, Danny Jacobs fought a very fast, smart fight, but Danny had physical attributes that uh, Canelo doesn't have, in my opinion. All right, well, John, let's turn to yourself as a trainer. Uh, we recently seen you've been working with author Better Beave in the past. Can you talk to the fans a little bit about what the status of that is? Well, he's, he's got a fight uh, coming up, an eliminator. And, uh, but uh, as people may have heard, um, you know, he just signed the top rank. He left Yvonne Michelle in, in Montreal. So uh, I just talked to them this week and trying to figure out what's going to happen for training camp. And, they're going to have a meeting this week to figure out what's going on because I used to go up there and uh, you know I, I stay in Montreal and they, they take care of everything and but I don't know what his deal is with with top rank uh, I don't know how it's going to play out so I'm hopeful and optimistic that I'll be going back up there relatively soon uh, I don't see why I wouldn't but you know the business is that kind of thing and uh, so I don't I don't know what's going to happen until probably a, a week or so from from right now. Well, John, for a lot of fans out there, they actually haven't seen Arthur Better be of his 11-0, 11 KOs. What kind of fighter is he and what kind of impact can he have at light heavyweight? He's uh, he's an exceptionally, unbelievably strong light heavyweight. He's a, he's, he actually was, an, was a top world-ranked amateur at, at heavyweight, at 201, and he, and he came down to fight uh, as a light heavyweight. Everyone is spars him. I've been in the training camps with him, and when people spar him, they are so amazed at how hard he hit. They are, uh, uh, it's, it's almost like, it's almost kind of, I won't, I won't name names, but there's, there's a couple guys who were in camp with him, good fighter, you know, guys, good, solid, like, fringe contender type of guys. And, uh, let me just say, these, these guys, uh, good fighters, they did okay, but they couldn't wait to go home. Like, they could, they could not wait. They, they had no problem, no shame verbalizing that they couldn't wait for training camp to be over. They, they wanted to go home because just, Sparring with this guy every day was just not, you know, a lot of guys, they were getting paid good money, and it wasn't, a, they, they knew easier ways to get paid. Uh, you know, Arthur really hits hard. He really puts pressure on. He makes the ring like a phone booth. He's a really heavy, heavy-handed guy, but he's also fluid. And he, you know, he's very smart. He, um, you, you have to see him. He's, he's, uh, he, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how good. I don't know if you've, you've researched his career at all, but I'll tell you, before I started uh, helping out in camp with him, I had never heard of him. When he was when he was 4-0 and or 5-0, and 
a trainer in Montreal by the name of Russ Amber, who I've, I've been friends with for 30 years. Russ called me, and he said, I oh, should see this guy, Arthur. He's, uh, he's unbelievable. He's a phenomenon. He said he could fight for the title right now and win it. And I'm going, come on, he's only 4-0. Oh, what are you crazy? And I know Russ is a smart boxing guy, so he took kind of took me off guard. And he said, I'm telling you. So a couple fights later, I believe he was 6-0, and oh, they put him in with Divorce Cloud. And I, I, as soon as I read that, I called Russ and I said, Russ, what are you guys crazy? Like, you're this guy's only six and oh, you're fighting Tavoris Cloud, who just like a year ago, previous, had went 12 rounds with Hopkins and Tavoris was a world champion. And Russ said to me, trust me, he's going to knock Tavoris Cloud out. And, uh, fair enough, Arthur walked right through him. And, and after the fight, I guess Arthur, you know, they had told him ahead of time, he doesn't know anybody. Arthur doesn't follow boxing. He didn't even know what Tavoris was. He didn't care. And they were telling him, look, you got to be careful. This guy's really good. He's, he's really tough. And uh, I guess he asked them after, like, you know, with his accent. He goes, oh, you you said you said this guy was good. <laughs> and they're like, well, normally he is, <laughs> but not today. And then he, you know, a fight or two later, he fought Gabriel Campillo, another former world champion. Same thing. You can Google, you know, go to YouTube. He hit Campillo with a left hook and, you know, obliterated him. Uh, so Arthur, you know, there's very few, how many people in the world do you know, 6-0, and o, could not only beat, not only fight Divorce Cloud, but beat Divorce Cloud and knock him out brutally. So just the fact that they had the confidence to do that tells me that they know what they're looking at, they know what they've got. All right, well, John, in closing, you're a boxing fan above all other things. You love the sport. You as a boxing fan, what fights would you like to see be made in the sport going forward? Fights that haven't been made already, but you'd like to see being made for the good of the sport. Well, you know what? Uh, I still would like to see Kovalev come, come back, maybe get a win under his belt, and then Kovalev against uh, Adonis. I still think that's a, that's a dynamic fight. Um, I would love to see that. I would really like to see Joshua and Wilder. I think that's uh, the best heavyweight fight probably that could be made as far as the fighters, as far as the intrigue, as far as the ramifications of it. I would love to see Thurman and just about anybody at 147, including uh, Spence. I think Harold Spence is a phenomenon. People don't know it yet. He's still a bit under the radar. You know, in, in boxing people inside, they know. But, uh, you know, the, the, the regular fans have not really caught on yet, but Earl Spence is a, is a monster. He, he actually reminds me of a persona-wise level. He's like the Arthur better buy of, of, of 147. He's, he's nobody's going to be in, on the inside. The trainers of fighters are not going to be looking to put their guys in with Earl unless there's, you know, good, good money to gain from it. All right, well, John, as always, it's been a great pleasure having you come on the show. I thank you very much for your time, and I, I wish you the best going forward with all the fires you work with. I appreciate it very much. Uh, honored to be on the show, and uh, anytime you need me, give me a call. All right. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. All right. All right. That was Iceman John Scully giving his thoughts on the event that was Mayweather versus McGregor, also talking about Canelo versus Golovkin, and giving his thoughts on some fights that he'd like to see happen upcoming this year and next year. So uh, it was definitely great to, to have John come back on the show. He's one of those guys that, you know, he'll always give you his honest point of view. He won't bullcrap with you and tell you, you know, a certain fight because he's got a star and it's uh, a great, great event. 
you know, he called Mayweather versus McGregor from the very beginning for, for what it was, you know, it was a, just a money fight, a money grab. You know, it wasn't expected to be very competitive, and, you know, it wasn't a fight that he, he thought would be worth his money, and he boycotted it. Uh, so, you know, he has to, to give John credit for sticking to his guns and avoiding the fight in both its original form and its replay format and, uh, and you know, and sticking to that opinion even after the fight. You know, the, the fight itself, in my opinion, was something that really should have never happened. You know, it was a, an event that I first, when I even talked about it, I called it a clown fight. I said, that fight will never happen. It's a clown fight. You know, and I was wrong about that, that, you know, it would never happen. It did happen. If it makes money, it makes sense. And for Floyd, it did. But I do have to say this. In terms of the fight itself, I had thought the entire time when it came to that fight that it would be something that would hurt the sport. It would ultimately hurt the sport, that people would go in expecting one thing, they'd get something else, and it would have a negative backlash, just like Mayweather versus Pacquiao did. It would have that backlash to it. Well, because of the way that Floyd fought that fight and the fact that he laid back in the first three rounds and allowed McGregor to do his work, and, and by all means, I do have to give McGregor some credit there because he does have a slightly better skill set than I thought. Um, he did, you know, cause Floyd, oh, let's say, a little bit of awkwardness early with some of the angles switching up and the things he was doing, but also, too, Floyd was laying back and allowing McGregor to, to do his work early and then eventually start walking forward which has created a, a better fight. So I do have to give a little bit of credit to McGregor, but at the end of the day, it was mostly about Floyd Mayweather and what he wanted to do in that ring, and he did exactly what he wanted to do. Um, but all that said, you know, the fight itself, I thought it would hurt the sport. I thought it would be bad for the sport and hurt the sport. But because of the way Floyd went about it, the way that the fight played out, you know, the fact that it ended in a stoppage, people left satisfied. Even though they spent $100 for the pay-per-view, they felt like they got their money's worth. They felt like they got an interesting fight. And as I told John, you know, the one thing that was surprising to me after Mayweather versus McGregor was the fact that people were talking about the sport that you never heard talk about the sport before. You know, a local sports channel that I watched, they were talking about boxing, and it was like they were just discovering these fighters. They're like, you know, there's this guy named Deontay Wilder. He's 38-0 of 37 knockouts, and he's just destroying people. And there's another guy from Britain who's a world champion who's 19-0 with 19 knockouts. Those two guys should fight each other. That would be a great fight. You know, so when you have people that never talk about the sport, people in the sports world that are all of a sudden covering boxing and talking about it after a fight, you know, that's good. That's good for the sport. You know, honestly, I was against Mayweather versus McGregor happening. I thought it would be very poor for the sport. I thought it was in bad taste to do it three weeks before Canelo versus Golovkin, but the overall result was not bad. You know, the fight itself, while it wasn't the prettiest form of boxing that you could see, it was mildly entertaining. Uh, McGregor gave his best effort. Mayweather did his thing, even though he's 40 and, and not quite what he once was. He won. You know, I mean, as that fight played out, and I'm – I'm going to go through these rounds real quickly because I had a chance to watch it, obviously, originally and then have a chance to watch the replay. And it's one of those rare fights, actually, where you watch it and you feel the exact same way after. It's not that you don't see anything differently. You don't get caught up in the moment. It's just like everything I saw on the 26th was the same when I saw it a week later. You know, the first three rounds, I thought McGregor clearly won. Uh, first round, he landed a very nice uppercut. Uh, second round, he outworked Floyd. Third round, he outworked Floyd. How the other two judges in that fight somehow gave those rounds to Mayweather, I don't know. But after that point, and if you've watched maybe the all-access epilogue, at the end of the third round, Floyd goes back to his corner and says, it's time, it's time. 
meaning that it was time for him to start turning it up and to, to start breaking down McGregor. His entire plan for the fight was to basically let McGregor burn out all his big shots and then eventually break him down and knock him out. McGregor was kind of surprised and said he really didn't have very many big shots. He didn't really have much power. He didn't carry much power in the ring. He was hitting Mayweather these very small, light shots, these tapping shots, these arm shots. You know, so he was able to last maybe a little bit longer than maybe Floyd even anticipated. But, you know, the fourth round went to Floyd. The fifth round went to Floyd. The sixth went to Floyd. The seventh went to Floyd. The eighth round, I thought it was close, competitive. I gave the edge to McGregor in that one. But in the ninth round, after a really good start by McGregor, Floyd caught him a few times. He hurt him, you know, and then all of a sudden the fatigue started to kick in, too, with McGregor. And then eventually in the tenth round, the stoppage you know, finally did happen, and um, honestly, that was a, a good stoppage. Robert Bird coming in there when he did, McGregor was just going to get put on his butt, even though he preferred that to be the way. Honestly, you know, that was the right stoppage at the right moment for a guy with a 0-0 and zero zero professional record at the time. So, overall, how the fight was promoted, how it all played out, honestly, no negatives for the sport. I have no ill feelings about the fight happening now that it's played out, because I, I do see some positives coming from it. But I think we're ready to move on. You know, I, I really hope that there's no rematch this. I really hope that we don't see McGregor in the boxing ring again because he's good at what he does in the mixed martial arts arena. Uh, in the boxing arena, he does things that aren't quite, you know, there of a professional boxer. You know, and in clinches, he was trying to hit Floyd on top of the head. He was doing things that aren't exactly boxing moves because he just he wasn't brought up in boxing. He was brought up in another sport. And it's just one of those things where, honestly, the fight that we saw was more about what Floyd wanted to happen instead of what Conor McGregor wanted to happen. So I think he should go back to his sport, stay in his sport. I think it's good for him. As for Floyd Mayweather Jr., honestly, he should retire and stay retired. At 40 years old, while he has enough to beat somebody like Conor McGregor, the Floyd I saw would have been beaten by a lot of guys. Errol Spence would have beat him. Kell Brook would have beat him. I mean, that's Kell Brook who's had his face smashed two different places. He would have beat him. A lot of guys would have beat him. Keith Thurman would be a very competitive matchup. And, you know, there's, there's just a lot of guys out there that could beat Floyd at this point. So I think Floyd is, is probably at the point now where he should really hang it up. He shouldn't continue on fighting. Um, you know, there's some talk before maybe that he should fight the winner of, of Canelo versus Golovkin. You know, when, when Abel comes on, I will get his views maybe on, on the possibility of that. But in, in reality right there, even at this point, I think Canelo Alvarez would be too much for Floyd. You know, I know he said it was the way he was fighting and it was his style, but he looked rusty. He looked flat-footed, and uh, he didn't look as fast as his punches. So, I mean, at this point, when you're 40 years old, you know, you either stop stop one fight too soon or you're going to be caught in there one fight too late. So I think for Floyd Mayweather Jr., he made his money. He probably comes away with $300 million, and more power to him. He wanted to do what he, he wanted to do for this particular fight. He, he got the attention he wanted to get. But now it's time to walk away, go into the sunset, and leave things to, you know, the big fights, the real fights. The fights that people really want to see, the Canelos versus the Golovkins, the fights that are coming up in two weeks. Those are the fights the boxing fans really want to see and hopefully we'll get to see going forward. All right, well, with that, I'm going to move things now to my second guest of this week's show. He's making his debut appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm joined by the managing director of K2 Promotions, Tom Loeffler. How's it going today, Tom? It's going great, Jenna. When you when we have two uh, big events uh, like Superfly on September 9th and uh, the Canelo Triple G fight on September 16th, it's an uh, exciting time, uh, you know, uh, coming up in September. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And 
Let's get to one of the two events first, uh, the one that all the Boston fans have been dying to see. We've been talking about it for over two years now. Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez. How do you feel now that it's getting close? I mean, it's uh, it's kind of reaching a fevered pitch right now. Um, you know, as you said, the fans have uh, really been demanding this fight for the last two years, uh, ever since uh, Canelo won that WBC uh, middleweight championship. And then, you know, just the history between him and uh, Triple G and uh, when he vacated the title. And this is, uh, you know, really... Um, uh, the best matchup in boxing right now. The two best middleweights fighting each other. Two of the best uh, and most markable fighters uh, getting in the ring, and um, you know, really two of the uh, top uh, pound for pound fighters as well. So this really uh, kind of encompasses uh, a, an old school matchup, a kind of a throwback fight uh, like we used to see when the best uh, would fight the best. And you know, it's, it's definitely. Um, uh, the best matchup right now, and, and uh, you know, with the ticket sales, with the projected pay-per-view sales, everything is, uh, you know, with the fan reaction, everything uh, is uh, is coming together for the fight. I know, Tom, being the fact that you uh, work with, with Gennady Golovkin, you've been trying to get this fight for a while. Did you have any doubts in your mind that it would actually happen at any point? <laughs> I'll tell you, Jenny, we've been trying to get a lot of different fights, so Canelo is no different. I mean, we tried to get Felix Sturm when... Uh, uh, Triple G was a mandatory for him. We tried to get Sergio Martinez when he was clearly considered the best middleweight champion. We tried to get Cotto when he beat uh, when he beat Sergio, and then um, beat Cotto and, and became the Ring Magazine and the Lineal Champion, and you know and the WBC Champion. That's when uh, you know he came into a Triple G site. So uh, you know, the fans have just wanted to see Triple G in, in a big fight, and, and it doesn't get any bigger than this. I mean, this is. This is uh, literally almost five days uh, to his uh, U.S. debut when he fought uh, on HBO September 2012. This is five years uh, since that since that uh, first fight uh, on HBO, and and he's now literally in the biggest fight in the sport of boxing. So this is uh, this is uh, kind of a, a thank you present for the for the fans, and um, you know I think whoever wins uh, September 16th. Uh, Really should be considered the best, uh, the best and most marketable fighter in the, in the sport of boxing. All right, now, Tom, um, with Canelo Alvarez, he obviously was hesitant to take this fight for a while. Now he's taking it. In your opinion, why do you think he's finally taking the step? Um, you know, when they vacated the title, uh, uh, Oscar and Golden Boy, they they said that uh, Canelo would fight uh, September 2017. They wanted to build the fight. Uh, a little bit, uh, you know. There's some people that have uh, some different theories on that, but uh, however it uh, however it happened, uh, we're just happy that uh, the fight's happening now. You know, there have been some other fights that have taken, you know, over five years to make. So, you know, relative to that, this uh, this fight uh, came together uh, pretty quickly, especially after uh, Gennady uh, beat Danny Jacobs in Madison Square Garden, and then uh, Canelo beat uh, Chavez. So, I think they're pretty much at the peak of their uh, both of their careers they're both in their prime and um this is the type of matchup that uh that the fans have been asking for so even though you know i know gennady would have liked to fight last year and, and we would, would have liked to have done it when the, the wbc mandated it you know waiting a year um you know that gave him the opportunity to go to england he sold out the o2 arena last year um sold out msg again uh this year for the second time against uh, when he fought Danny Jacobs, and so now 
uh, it seems that this, the plateau of this fight is, uh, a, 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 or the platform is at a, a completely different level now. And now, Tom, in terms of promoting this fight, now that the other fight is out of the way and you're the, the only show in town, um, what kind of a final push can fans expect? Well, I think you'll see, uh, I think you'll see a, a, a big marketing uh, push. We've really structured, um, you know, kind of let the smoke clear. Uh, from the last fight and, and structured our, our marketing push, our promotion, everything uh, towards these final weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, with with uh, this main event, with the undercard fights, I think the fans will be treated, you know, to a great three weeks of, uh, of marketing and promotion. And then uh, fight night is going to be one of those fights where uh, these are the closest odds I've ever seen for a Triple G fight uh, since I started working with them. And... Uh, you know, a lot of people really think uh, with his performance, uh, with Canelo's performance against uh, Chavez, the way he dominated him over 12 rounds, and, and he fought heavier than uh, Triple G has ever fought. Uh, Triple G has never fought over 160, and uh, Canelo was uh, at 164. So uh, a lot of people really like uh, Canelo's chances, but this is what makes it uh, a motivating fight for, for Gennady. Um, I think you'll see the best come out of Gennady, and and uh that that's what uh, this is the type of matchup where fans uh really don't know uh, who's going to win this fight. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions about that a little bit later, but let's talk about another promotion that comes up actually before it, that being uh Takalito versus Rung Bisai, a rematch. Um I was there in person for the first fight. I watched it. It was very close. Um in terms of making the rematch, why did you guys want to immediately go for it? Well, the WBC ordered uh, the rematch. It was uh, it was a controversial uh, fight the first time. It was uh, definitely one of the leading candidates for fight of the year uh, for this year. Uh, Chuck Tito got knocked down in the first round, and it seemed like he came back and won uh, the majority of the, the later rounds. So um, you know, it's a fan. It's a fight. It's one of those rare fights that the WBC mandated, and, and it's definitely a, a fight that the fans. Uh, want to see again when you have a main event like that um you know that was uh as the co-feature at madison square garden on the triple g uh, danny jacobs fight now uh since that first fight was so great um hbo has agreed to put it uh, as the main event uh chocolatito has been on the network now many times i think this will be a sixth time on on hbo fifth or sixth time and um when we have the, the debut, U.S. debut of Inouye, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting the sense from Inouye that uh, it's similar to when Triple G made his debut over here in the U.S. and HBO. A lot of the fans have heard about him, but they haven't actually seen him fight, so they're really looking forward to uh, uh, to seeing him uh, get in the ring here in L.A. Uh, he'll be fighting Antonio Nieves um, to defend his WBO title, and then you know, we have uh, the, the first fight of the triple header is uh, Carlos Cuadras against uh, Francisco Estrada. I mean, that's a that's a tremendous matchup between two Mexican warriors, and the winner of that fight uh, will have the right, or he'll be the mandatory challenger for the winner of Chocolatito and uh, Rungvasai. So it's a it's going to be a great uh, show, probably the best triple header we've seen uh, in a long time, and um, and one that the fans uh, are really looking forward to. Now, Tom, in terms of Chocolito, um, he's headlining this card. Uh, usually he's been on the undercards of, of Gennady's fights. Do you feel he's at the point now in his career where he can carry these type of events? Well, there's no question. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, he, he, he's been on HBO a number of times now. Uh, most of the time we tried to pair him together with uh, Triple G. Um, he did headline his own show last year at the Forum when he fought Carlos Cuadras. 
it was actually uh, Triple G was in London, and then uh, Chocotito uh, headlined the form uh, over here. So, uh, you know, he sold uh, the, the ticket sold very well for that. His ratings were very strong, and so uh, we fully expect him. Uh, he's become a fan favorite. Uh, fans know, just like with Triple G, the fans know every time they see Chocotito get in the ring, there's going to be action. He's nonstop for 12 rounds. Um, he doesn't dance around the ring. Uh, he, he's very aggressive. Comes forward, throws uh, tons of punches, and uh, uh, as I mentioned, he's he's really become a fan favorite. And and uh, we expect to sell out on uh, on September 9th for uh, for that Superfly show. All right, well, Tom, let's turn things to yourself in K2 Promotions. Um, being the fact that Vladimir Klitschko and Vitaly Klitschko were both you know key parts to K2. Uh, starting in all the promotions you did, um, how do you feel now that both are, are officially retired? Um, you know, we started uh, K2. Uh, I started K2 with them in uh, 2003, um, and uh, the first fight we ever did was when Vitali fought. It was a year after he lost to Lennox Lewis. Uh, he lost the fight, but he really gained uh, the fans in in LA uh, with his performance and with uh, you know just wanting to continue. Uh, after uh you know those uh those nasty cuts that he had sustained and uh he def- you know he was winning the fight leading uh, on all three cards and then the um the uh, doctor decided to uh, to stop the fight but uh, the first fight we did was in 2004 when uh, Vitali won his uh the, it was the vacant title at that time when Lennox decided uh, to retire uh that was at Staples Center uh the, for the WBC heavyweight championship of the world on uh on HBO, so it really doesn't get much bigger than that uh, for our first promotion, and and it was a great run with uh, both Vitaly and and uh, Vladimir. Um, you know, countless uh, heavyweight championship fights. Um, we were able to then uh, uh, sign uh, Triple G and sign uh, Alexander Usyk. Um, Triple G now has uh, become you know one of the most popular fighters in the world, and uh, and Usyk's in this uh, cruiserweight tournament that. Uh, uh, he's a tremendous talent um, as well, so I think we'll see uh, great things uh, from him. Uh, Cecilia Brekos, uh she was the uh, only uh, unified champion before uh, Terence Crawford had that great performance uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, some people forget that uh, Cecilia had been a unified champion, undisputed champion for for uh, over two years. So uh, she she has a, tr- a tremendous following uh, in Norway. She sells out um, all the arenas up there that she fights in, and um, just uh, you know some exciting times uh, ahead for uh, for boxing. Well, Tom, has got a couple more questions before I let you off the line. And going back to Golovkin versus Canelo, be hard pressed not to ask your prediction for that fight. How do you see that fight playing out? My prediction is just a lot of action and. Uh, a lot of fireworks uh, when you have uh you know Canelo doesn't uh doesn't go backwards Triple G doesn't go backwards they both uh have that fan friendly aggressive uh Mexican style that uh, the fans really love and uh and I think uh, you know it's hard to predict uh, when you have two guys that have never fought each other it's hard, hard to predict how the styles are going to uh match up uh, but uh this is about as close as you can uh, get to to knowing that it's going to be uh, a very exciting fight on September 16th, I, I'm, you know, predicting uh, Triple G is gonna gonna win the fight. Uh, I, I think uh, Canelo is definitely gonna push him uh, in terms of his motivation, his preparation, and uh, just his performance um, in the ring. Abel always has maintained we haven't seen the best Triple G 
uh, in the ring and, and uh, against Canelo, uh, there's uh, you know I think he's going to put it all in line and, and really show the fans why uh, he should be considered the best fighter in the sport of boxing. Yeah, well, Tom, a pay-per-view is not just one fight, even as great as that fight is. There's a stacked undercard for the 16th. Can you let the fans know about some of the other fights that are on there? Sure. Uh, I mean, Golden Boy has uh, some of their fighters uh, on the show. You know, I would defer to them to to, to talk about the, their fighters. Um, I know um, uh, from from the Triple G side, uh, Ryan Martin, uh, who's uh, a tremendous uh, rising star in the lightweight division. He's going to be fighting Francisco Rojo. Uh, that's going to be a big step up fight for uh, for Ryan Martin, and uh, I think you'll see some great things from from uh, from Ryan. Uh, in the years to come uh, in, the, in the lightweight division. All right. Well, in closing, Tom, can you let the fans know how they can view Golovkin versus Canelo? Best ways to view it? What options are out there for them? Well, the fight, um, uh, September 16th, it's it's going to be distributed on uh, HBO uh, pay-per-view. Um, there's also, for those who don't have uh, cable access or a satellite subscription, uh, uh, Ring TV is also going to be streaming uh, it on uh, uh, on a pay-per-view uh, basis as well. So uh, we've made it uh, very easy for the fans to see. It'll be uh, distributed in over 100 countries worldwide. Uh, so it's really uh, an international uh, sporting event, not just a middleweight championship of the world. It's really uh, taken on a life of its own and uh, become just a huge, uh, a huge sporting event. Well, Tom, it's been a great pleasure having you come on on the Ropes Boxing Radio. I know as a a boxing fan, a purist, I can't wait for the event on the 16th and also uh, seeing Chuck Lito get back in the ring on the 9th. So uh, I wish you all the best luck with both those promotions and uh, wish you the best of luck this year. Great. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks for having me on and, and uh, uh, your continued support. I appreciate that. All right. Always. Bye. Great. Thank you. All right. That was Tom Loeffler talking about the upcoming promotion, Canelo versus Golovkin. And you can tell, he's very excited about bringing this fight to boxing fans. He's been wanting to bring a big fight for Gennady for a long time, and he's finally got that matchup for him. He's finally got that big event he can promote for Gennady. And he's excited about it. And that his whole promotional idea for this fight was to wait, you know, for the, the fight to blow over with, with Mayweather and McGregor and then start to go full steam. And if you look out there and you see all the work that they've been doing just in the last week alone, I mean, they've been really pumping that fight out and they're really building towards a really good pay-per-view. You know, it's a, it's a particular event I'm extremely excited to go see. Um, it's one I've been waiting for for a very long time. You know, it's a fight that I truly believe is going to be a success. I think a lot of boxing fans are going to watch it. As I said before, I really don't think the Mayweather versus McGregor fight had, had hurt this promotion too much after what happened. Um, if anything, it could have helped it in a way. It brought a little bit more attention and some more casual fans might check it out. But you know, overall, in terms of a, of a pay-per-view, I think it's going to do, you know, between 1.5 and 1.6 million. And that's great. That's great for Canelo. That's great for Golovkin. And I think it's going to be great for the sport. You know, it's a fight Fight fans really want to see. It's a fight that people are really excited about seeing. And uh, I, myself, can't wait for it to happen. Uh, we'll move things now to a segment of the show the fans know as Ask Jenna. That's where you guys, the boxing fans, get to ask me the questions. You can do this either by emailing me on the ropes boxing radio at gmail.com, mentioning me at Twitter, Jenna on the ropes, or posting your questions in our Facebook group, which is 10,000 members strong. So guys, if you want to get your questions on the show, that is how you can do it. I'm going to take my first question. This one comes from Manuel Aguero. 
He says, Antonio Margarito recently returned to the ring this weekend to face off against Carson Jones. He won a controversial seventh-round technical decision. What were your thoughts on the fight? All right, well, to answer your question, Manuel, my first thought and first thought on the fight is, is Antonio Margarito should not be fighting. He should not be fighting in the ring, plain and simple. Um, besides his age and the way that he looks in the ring, he has an eye, a right eye, that is still badly damaged. It doesn't look right. And it's a danger to himself potentially going blind just being in the ring. That said, this was the third fight of his comeback. Uh, the first fight being the fight against Jorge Paez Jr., uh, which he didn't look particularly great, won a decision. The next fight was against Ramon Alvarez, in which some people arguably thought he should have lost. And this fight against Carson Jones, in which it was controversial, uh, just the way the fight played out. Um, the first round, Carson Jones outworked him. Uh, Antonio Margarito looks slow with his punches. He looks like he has no power at the weight. He doesn't look like he has much power in general, actually, ever since they started checking for loading gloves. But overall, he, he just was not looking that good in the fight. In the second round, he got cut. After that, you know, he, he did probably win at least two rounds. Maybe you can argue three. Um, but after that point there, the fifth, sixth, seventh round especially, uh, Carson Jones was starting to take over the fight. In the seventh round, he was landing big shots on Margarito, and it was looking like that Margarito was eventually going to get stopped. You know, And when the round was over, he did complain, you know, about his eye, that it was bothering him, and the, you know, ringside doctor ultimately stopped the fight. And to many people watching, including myself initially, I thought Antonio Margarito just lost. I thought he just lost by technical knockout, that, you know, he had quit in his corner. But apparently that was not the case, and they decided to go to the uh, judges' scorecards for the bout. And when all the judges' scorecards were read, Antonio Margarita was the winner. Yeah, scorecards were 68-64 and 67-65 twice in favor of Margarito. So he got the win. But uh, the Mexican commentating crew had it 66-66. You know, that's a score you can argue a draw or a, a close win for Carson Jones. But no matter what way you look at it, it was just, one, not a good look for Margarito. He was not looking good. He was looking not only old but very damaged in the ring. Carson Jones, you know, he's a decent fighter, but he's certainly not elite. And, you know, you see Antonio Margarito talking about, well, I, I want to face Miguel Cotto in my next fight. I want to face him in December. No, nobody really wants to see that. And this type of performance, I don't think, puts him at all in consideration for it. If he had looked impressive and dominated Carson Jones, Carson Jones is not the kind of opponent that says you're – ready to face somebody like Miguel Cotto, a guy that's still, you know, an elite guy, a guy who's a champion. So, honestly, I don't think this fight did anything for Margarito's career. If anything, it says that maybe you should hang him up. But uh, as far as his future plans and, and what he wants to do, um, honestly, if you can't beat Carson Jones, clearly, I don't think you should even be thinking about Miguel Cotto. So that alone should just take you out of consideration. All right, I'm going now to my next question. This one comes from Ron Stewart, and it's actually – about Miguel Cotto. Uh, he says that Miguel Cotto recently defeated your Hoshi Kamagai on HBO via 12-round decision. What did you think of the fight, and who do you think Miguel Cotto should fight in his final bout in December? All right, well, Ron, I did get a chance to check out the Cotto fight, even though it was on the same day as Mayweather McGregor. Uh, you know, I, I do take pride in my boxing, so I did happen to, to catch that fight. And um, you know, honestly, it was really what I expected. I mean, Kamagai is, you know, tough as nails. He comes forward all night long, and he throws punches. And he does that in every single fight that he does, and it was no different in the Kodo fight. He did the same exact thing. He made some rounds close and, and competitive. Um, but for the majority of the fight, Miguel Cotto's class showed through, and Miguel Cotto did what he was supposed to do, and that was come away with a, a decision win. I don't think 
many people expected him to knock out Kamba guy. But, you know, he, he did what he had to do. He won the decision. Um, he looked relatively good doing it. And, you know, he just uh, moved on to the next fight. You know, it wasn't a fight that was expected to challenge him in any sort of way. It wasn't a, a fight that was supposed to, you know, say where he, he's at in terms of the division. He won, you know, a vacant belt, and, and, that, and that's good in that light. But in all honesty, it was just another fight. It was almost a tuna fight in a lot of ways. And Miguel Cotto now has to the final fight of his career, which he says will be in December. And in regards to that, it's kind of interesting where his path will go because, you know, obviously he's, he's stated that he wants the winner of Cotto versus Golovkin. And, you know, if it's Canelo, it'll be a rematch. The first fight was competitive, but it wasn't really that intriguing. Um, so there's that for him. Or there's a fight against Gennady Golovkin in which a lot of people feel that if that fight did happen, it would not be greatly competitive and that Golovkin would probably knock him out. So, you know, those are two directions for him. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to, to think about where he's going to go next because he's got a, a really good career. Uh, he's turning 37 years old. You know, he's got a, you think he could fight a few more years, but there isn't really a super fight for him, a really intriguing fight that people say, I have to see that fight. You know, that's a matchup I have to see. You know, he's at that point in his career where he's faced so many guys and faced so many people over his career where, you know, you don't have that opponent out there for him, that guy that's like, I really have to see that fight. You know, I, I don't think he wants to be a stepping stone. I don't think he wants to face, a, uh, you know, a guy like a, a Charlo or, or someone like that that, you know, he might have trouble with. I think he wants to face somebody that is obviously well-known. It's a big fight. Um, the fight with Juan Manuel Marquez, he tried to make that for over a year, and, you know, Marquez beat him into retirement before that fight could happen. So, honestly, I don't see a, a really big fight going forward for, for Cotto. I mean, you know, being the fact he's with Golden Board Promotions, if – Canelo beats Golovkin, they will make that fight. They will make that rematch. It's a logical fight to make. It will sell some pay-per-views. But I don't think it's, you know, that intriguing. I think, if anything, he'll probably lose the fight more decisively than he did the first time if that does happen. Uh, as I mentioned before, you know, the, the fight with Golovkin, I don't think that would bring a result that would surprise anybody. So it would be kind of interesting in, in what direction uh, Cotto goes next. But, um, you know, honestly, I don't think his options are looking that great to close out his career. I'm going to go now to my next question. This one comes from Anthony Rhodes. He says, Terrence Crawford recently relinquished the WBA title that he won from Ndongo. Do you think he should vacate the rest of the belts and move up in weight? All right, well, Anthony, uh, the answer is yes. I mean, the fight with Ndongo, you know, was a good logical fight for him because he took the fight to become the undisputed champion of the weight class. Ndongo held two belts, and Terrence Crawford held two belts. He won the fight dominantly. He knocked Ndongo out with a body shot. It was a very impressive performance. And that's the kind of performance that says, look, I'm done with 140 pounds. It's time to move up and face some new challenges. So I do think he should relinquish all the belts. I think he should open them up to other champions and announce his move up and weight immediately because there are so many great fights and great matchups that you can make in that weight class that I'd like to see him up there. I'd love to see him face, you know, a Keith Thurman, to see him face an Errol Spence to see him face any of the guys in that weight class. There's just so many talented guys, so many talented fighters, and a lot of interesting matchups you can make. I mean, even a fight between him and, and Pacquiao, you know, two top-ranked guys going against each other, it's definitely makeable. Uh, Crawford versus Jeff Warren, that's a, a fight that I think would be a, a good fight for him to, to grab a title belt and, and, and move forward in that weight class and set up some other interesting big matchups. So, you know, the move up in weight is what he really has to do. I mean, Terrence Crawford is one of those guys that, you know, 
he's just starting to get the acknowledgement that he deserves. You know, that recent deal that, that ESPN made with top rank, it's going to get a lot of guys a lot more attention and build their names up. And Terrence Crawford's one of those guys that can benefit from it. I mean, he, he's a guy that's undefeated. He's a guy that's thought of as being a top five pound-for-pound guy. And now all he's needing is the recognition. You know, people realizing how great he is and how much of an excellent fighter he is and facing the best names at 147, one of the most exciting divisions, is a way to do that. So he should move up and wait. All right, I'm going to go to my next question. This one comes from John Wright. He says, Top Rank Promotions recently inked a four-year deal with ESPN to bring boxing on that network year-round. What do you think of that deal? All right, well, um, I love the deal. Honestly, John, I love the deal. I love the fact that Top Rank Promotions has turned things from being on premium networks to now being on basic cable. I think it's a extremely intelligent move. I mean, it paid off in bundles with the Pacquiao Horn fight. So many people saw that fight. A lot of people, you know, that, that really don't watch boxing that often tune into that fight. And while the decision was obviously not to everyone's pleasing, people still had a positive view in the fight. And then they followed things up with, you know, Vasil Lomachenko fighting on the network, uh, easily defending his belt, getting himself some exposure. Then you had Terrence Crawford in the unification fight becoming the undisputed champion on the network. So all these fights were really good moves from top rank and the fact that they signed this four-year deal. And it's not a four-year deal to be like on Friday night fights, which, you know, would run from a certain part of the year to a certain time and they wouldn't run during the football season. This is year-round quality boxing on ESPN, not ESPN2, but quality boxing. And it's going to help expand the sport. It's a very smart move by top rank. It's like top rank finally came to their senses and found out that burying these guys on HBO and Showtime wasn't the way. And I think Top Rank also took a little bit of advice from the UFC in that sense, too, because they build up a lot of their fights and build up a lot of their stars through, you know, basic cable channels like Spike and, you know, and the reality shows building up these fighters. So, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for the sport of boxing going forward. Um, you know, the, the Mayweather-McGregor fight was expected to, to be a real stinker in the way that it would hurt boxing and it would be very negative in the way that it was viewed. But the way that that fight was viewed after was positive in a lot of ways. People had a better view of the sport. So this top rank deal is good. It's going to get more people exposure. It's going to build the sport up. And that's what the sport needs. It needs as much exposure as it can get. Because there was a day where a lot of fights were on, you know, basic cable or on free TV. You know, and that was great. That's when the sport was at its highest. And we just became so used to all these fights being on HBO, Showtime, you know, these channels that people don't see regularly that the sport got hurt and the sport declined a little bit. So I think it's a good move for the sport, and I think it's going to be great for the future of a lot of these top-ranked stars. All right, I'm going up to my next question. This one comes from Nick Glenn. It says, Basile Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeaux are looking like they'll face off in December. Who do you think wins this fight and why? All right, well, Nick, uh, you know, it's a very interesting fight. It's a fight that I've wanted to see made. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a pure fan of the sport of boxing. It's not about exactly how exciting a guy is always. You sometimes like the technical portions of it. And these two guys are some of the best technicians you can see in the sport. Two guys that have, you know, extensive amateur careers, that had great amateur success, and have carried that amateur success into the professionals. Guillermo Rigondeau, um, he's known as a promoter's nightmare in a lot of ways because he's a guy that's super talented, super skilled, very hard to beat, but in a lot of his big fights and TV fights, he has not been exciting, and he's bored a lot of people, even though he's won those fights. And he's also a promoter's nightmare in the sense if you match up your guy with him, he'll make your guy look bad. I mean, look what he did to Nonito Darnier, and look where Nonito Darnier is now. He can be a career killer. 
Uh, Vasil Lomachenko, you know, he's a guy that, that popped right onto the professional scene, taking a, a title fight in his only a second professional fight, winning a title in his third professional fight. He's a guy that's a risk taker. And I think that Tom Brake was hesitant to make this type of risk early on, uh, just because Vasil Lomachenko did have some struggles in his early career. But he's developed so much into, you know, the professional fighter he is now, from the amateur style to the professional, showing his skill set. I think they think the timing is right. Vasil Lomachenko is a 130-pound fighter. Rigan Diaz, a 122 guy. He's going to have to go up two weight classes. I think for them, taking the risk now isn't as much of a risk as it used to be. It makes sense in a lot of ways, and, you know, it's a fight I'm interested in. I'm interested to see how it plays in. I know Gary Rigan Diaz getting up there in age. He's still extremely talented, a great tactician against another great tactician. I think it's going to be uh, a really interesting fight. It's not going to be a hugely exciting fight, but I think it'll be an intriguing fight. But I think at this point, even though Guillermo Rigondeau knows how to win in every single way, I think he's at the point where he's just probably on the downside. I mean, he's been knocked down in recent fights, dropped in those fights, hasn't looked particularly spectacular in fights. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's been happening kind of off TV where people haven't seen but, you know, there's been a decline if you watch him. I mean, his last fight, you can't get much from that in terms of the way that it ended in one round. So if I had to favor anybody right now, i got to favor Vasil Lomachenko. I think he might actually break down and stop Rigondeaux. But if it does go the distance, I can see Lomachenko off a decision. I think it's a, a good fight to be made in the sport. And I do have to say, yet again, it's a great move by top-ranked promotions to put that type of fight on ESPN, which they're planning to do. All right, well, I'm going to move things now to my final question of this week's show, and this one comes from Oliver Thomas Brooker. He says, Jenna, if Gennady Golovkin beats Canelo, who do you think will be next for him? What are his fight options after he's defeated all the best middleweight? Oh, this is very interesting um, that you ask us, Oliver, because I was thinking about this myself. I'm like, where do you go next? What is next for you after you beat Canelo? That's the biggest fight that you can make in the weight class. Where do you go? I mean, if you look at Golovkin, he's not exactly a big Middleweight. It's not really a large middleweight in the sense that he, you know, he comes in the ring generally about five, six, seven pounds over the weight. You know, he's not a guy that, you know, honestly is a guy that you could say can, can move up to super middleweight and be a big super middleweight. He's not. He'll be a small super middleweight if he decides to go up in weight. Um, he's a guy that on, on fight night pretty much weighs at that weight. So he's a true middleweight. He's a guy that, you know, if you look at him, He's like, you'd think he'd be more likely to drop down than he would be to, to go up. But there's really no no huge fights at um, 154 pounds either. So, you know, in terms of his future at 160 after this fight, if he wins it, you know, the first fight you get to naturally look at is if the fight's good and it's competitive, maybe a rematch with Canelo. I mean, that fight would make obviously the most sense. It's going to be a huge pay-per-view draw. It's going to do at least 1.5 million pay-per-view buys. It's going to be the the biggest uh, pay-per-view fight that he's ever been in. And it's a fight that can definitely build a star. And if you do really good in that fight, it's an exciting fight and people like it, obviously have a rematch. You know, that's that's where money's made in the sport here is in rematches. You know, people want to see what happens when they fight again. You know, what, is it going to change? Is something going to be different? You know, there's a lot of money in that. And then there'd be, you know, obviously a chance for him to either improve on his performance or if he loses, set up a trilogy. You know, so... There, there are options there for him uh, if he wins that fight. But besides that, you know, if the fight, let's say, is one-sided and no one wants to see a rematch, you know, in terms of fights, a guy that I can say that I'd like to see him face is against a Jamal Charlo. Jamal Charlo is a tremendous puncher at 154. 
He's already moved up to 160 and won in, in dominating fashion. So, I mean, he's a guy that looks dangerous at 160 pounds. It wouldn't be exactly an easy fight for him. It'd be kind of like when, you know, Marvin Hagler took on John the Beast Magadi. It'd be a fight where people like, you know, they, they, they would get something that they wouldn't quite expect, you know. So that's a potential option for him. And then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Miguel Cotto could be a possibility for him. It'd be a fight that would make him some money. You could sell it on pay-per-view. But it wouldn't be a really hard fight for him. So in terms of what's next for Gennady Golovkin, I think his best option is probably a rematch with Canelo, but that all depends on how that fight plays out, a fight that I'm very much looking forward to. All right, well, that was this week's Ask Set of Submit. I'd like to thank all the fans who submitted your questions. And, guys, you've heard the top of the segment. You know how to do it. So send your questions in, and you, too, can be part of On the Ropes. All right, with that, I'm going to move things now to my final guest of this week's show, and he's absolutely a returning guest. He's now making his 11th appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm joined by one of the best trainers in all of boxing. I'm joined by Abel Sanchez. How's things going today, Abel? Good morning, Jen. I'm doing great. How's everything? Everything is great. I'm definitely happy to be talking to you. And, Abel, we're now less than two weeks away from the very big fight for Gennady Golovkin against Canelo Alvarez. How's the uh, preparations been going for it? It's going well. Uh, obviously, we're sparring now, and it, uh, we have some great uh, guys in, in camp right now with us. So just uh, grinding along, getting, making sure that we're ready for the 16th. All right. Now, in terms of preparation, have you done anything differently for this particular fight to face someone like Canelo compared to other fights? No, I really don't do anything different. I, I just try to prepare Gennady to be the best that Gennady can be, and uh, Canelo will have to adapt to that. Uh, uh, if you want to say I, I, I'm doing something different, what I did is I got a little uh, smaller, faster guys into camp um, just to, to give me some speed. But uh, other, than the, other than that, the preparation has been the same. In terms of sparring partners, what type of uh, sparring partners? You said you brought a few guys in there with speed. Um, also, Canelo, he, he works well to the body. Anything else uh, in terms of a sparring partner you brought in? Well, he goes well to the body against guys that allow him to do that. Uh, he goes well to the body against other fighters. Uh, he's going to have to, if he, if he starts to go to the body against Gennady, he's going to have to expose himself. So how much of that he does, uh, uh, we'll see on the 16th. But, uh, yeah, we brought in Julian Williams. Corone Davis, we have uh, Deshaun Johnson, um, Kenneth McNeil. We have uh, seven guys right now in camp uh, that are giving us the kind of speed and the kind of work that we need. All right. Now, Gennady is 35 right now, and some people have questioned, due to his last two fights, even though they're extremely good opponents, whether or not he's taken a step back as a fighter at all. You've seen him in the camp. You know him better than anybody. Where do you feel he is at age 35? Do you feel he's the best he's ever been, or do you think he's seasoned a little? You know, it's kind of funny that uh, that people uh, uh, have comments like that, have opinions like that. Uh, nobody ever said anything about to our man with again old when he was rocked by uh, by Shane Mosley and when he was repeatedly hit and hurt by uh, Maidana. Nobody said anything when Andre Ward got dropped in the first fight against Kovalev. Uh, it just it seems funny to me that if this guy has the highest percentage. Uh, knockout ratio in, in middleweight history. Uh, he's undefeated. He's never been hurt. He's never been down. But yet he's getting old. It, it just people are funny, you know. Uh, it just. Uh, uh, but I guess to hold him on, uh, on such a high pedestal that everything he does has to be perfect. There's still good guys that we're facing. Uh, Jacobs is the second best middleweight uh, at the time in the world. Uh, Kell Brook was uh, 
undefeated welterweight champion that uh, I knew was going to be difficult to the beginning because he was fast. But uh, these guys are quality guys, and uh, like I said, it's just funny that he gets uh, uh, those kind of comments made about him. Well, even though those comments were made, still going into this fight, Gennady Golovkin is the favorite. Why do you feel the odds makers are, are putting the uh, the favorites to, to Gennady? Well, I think that in Vegas uh, they're used to making money, not losing money. Mm-hmm. And the the odds makers in Vegas uh, seem to think that uh, there is a reason why Gennady's favored uh, because of the quality of uh, of who he is and and uh, what he has done. Uh, they they wouldn't have made him the favorite and, and lost money on purpose because of what uh, the naysayers and uh, opinions that are out there. They made him a favorite because they understand the quality. Um, like I said, uh, Las Vegas uh, bookmakers are not used to losing money. Well, let's look at your opponent, uh, Canelo Alvarez. He's 27 right now. Most people contend that he's improved greatly over the last few years. Do you believe that it was right for him, the right decision, to wait to this point to make this fight? You know, I think that it's the right decision for boxing. I think it's the two best guys in boxing right now, uh, especially in the middleweight division being as stacked as it is. Um, I think it's good that uh, the promoters and the, and the decision makers didn't wait five years like they did with uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao. I think that, it's, that it was the right timing. Uh, I believe Oscar only took the fight because of uh, the Jacobs fight, but that's okay. Uh, whatever the reasons, uh, we are in the middle of preparation for probably the most important fight in a long, long time for for our sport. All right, well, Abel, I want to get your views in sport a little bit here. And obviously, we just had the fight that was Mayweather versus McGregor. And while it was a little bit more competitive than people thought early, Mayweather did eventually dominate one by knockout. And I'm wondering from you, from your perspective here, is that the type of fight that Floyd Mayweather should retire on to get his 50th win? Or do you think he should, for his own legacy, consider maybe fighting one more time and face the winner of Golovkin versus Canelo? You know, as as as, uh, as important as it is for him, his TBE, as he calls it, uh, the best ever, and his legacy, as important as it is for him to be recognized as one of the best for him to be uh, viewed as the best ever. I'm surprised that he made this fight. I understand the financial part of it for him, but uh, it does nothing for his uh, how people view him, his legacy. And, and, and I think that for us to consider that being one of the 50 fights or for the boxing historians to consider being one of the 50 fights uh, would be bad for, for his legacy and for his image. Uh, if he retires and does nothing after that, uh, I don't think that it would be uh, something that would be considered as breaking the record of Marciano. Uh, it's just like when these baseball players were in the 10, 15 years ago when they were caught using performance-enhancing drugs, they hit those home runs. How can you put those records on file and, and, be, and be consider them with the other records of the guys that didn't? So that I think they talked about something about an asterisk uh, beside their name for – for that being done while using the performance-enhancing drugs. For Mayweather, fighting an amateur, uh, it shouldn't be considered as his 50th win. But uh, what he does after this fight will determine, I think, how he he's viewed at the end of his career. If he does go and fight uh, the winner of uh, Golovkin and Canelo, 
then I, I think people will have one more respect for him. I think that uh, the boxing purists will have more respect. Uh, well, let's turn things to the fight itself, uh, Abel. Um, you said a few other times in the show that you believe that Canelo Alvarez is the type of fighter that could possibly go the distance with Gennady. I'm wondering, do you all fear that, going the distance with Canelo Alvarez being the fact that, you know, they're pumping him up as the next star, the next pay-per-view guy, that he's only 27. Do you fear taking it the distance being the fact that if it's a close fight, that the decision might not go your way? Well, obviously you have to uh, you have to be concerned with that, yes. Uh, Canelo has a country behind him uh, because of his nationality. The Mexican people really, really follow him. So being that as it may, uh, we, we will be in Vegas, I'm sure, with a, pro Canelo crowd that may influence uh, uh, the judges, but we hope that the judges are, are we, I don't know who the judges are now right now, but I know they're going to be very professional and, and understand the importance of this fight and judge it fairly. If, uh, if we don't win decisively um, and it's a close fight, uh, I hope that they're, they're fair and they look at the fight for what it is. Uh, the, the two best guys in, in the ring and, and the best thing that could happen for boxing and the worst thing that could happen for, for boxing is a controversy. Would you feel any extra pressure being in the corner to push for a knockout, being the fact that you know that is still a possibility, that if it is close, that it might not go your way? Well, we're fighting a very good fighter, uh, but I know what uh, what's in Golovkin's mind. Uh, we've discussed it. Uh, we know who we're up against. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you do... You do what you can do inside the ring. We hope to make it a fight that people are entertained. And, and if that's the case, Canelo's going to be in front of Golovkin. And if he is, then I don't think Canelo can go 12 rounds. If Canelo decides to pull a Jacobs or uh, uh, just dance all the way around the ring, then uh, people won't be entertained. But I think the most important thing is to make sure that the people see this for what it is. Uh, the best fight and the best, and hopefully it'll be that, that kind of fight. Honestly, in your mind, what kind of a fight do you expect from Canelo? Do you think he'll go out there and try to box, or do you think he'll go out there and try to slug? No, I think that the first three or four rounds is going to be difficult for both guys, uh, uh, assimilating the speed, assimilating the, the movement, uh, figuring out what kind of tactic the one, in the one or the other guy has. Um, I think that uh, by the fourth round uh, is when they get uh, – I think they will get down to it. But uh, by Canelo being a Mexican and having – uh, all these people behind him. He's got a lot of pressure on him. He's got a lot of pressure to perform. He's got a lot of pressure to perform like the old Mexicans used to perform. And if he does that uh, and he's in, in front of Golovkin, then he's going to be knocked out. Uh, his his best, uh, I think that in my opinion, his uh, his best tactic would be to try to box Golovkin from the outside. But but uh, that would be a problem too, as Lemieux uh, found out, because Golovkin's got a great jab. So I think that the pressure is on Canelo to make sure that he makes it a fight. Golovkin always comes forward and always fights. So uh, what kind of fight it's going to be, uh, I hope it's, I hope, like I said, I hope it's one of those fights that we remember for a long, long time. Well, Abel, just got a couple more questions before I let you off the line and want to turn things to your other stable of fighters and some other fighters you're working with. Can you let the fans know uh, what fighters you're working with currently and what fights they have coming up? Yeah, we have Murad Gassiev uh, in that tournament, uh, the Super 8 tournament for uh, what the uh, World Boxing Series, I think it's called, the World Series of Boxing. Uh, we're fighting in, I believe, in New Jersey on the 21st of October. We're fighting Vladarchik, uh, the ex-IVF and WBC champion. 
for the quarterfinals in the tournament, uh, the eight-man tournament. Um, hope to be successful there and then fight the winner of Dortico's in uh, Kudushov uh, sometime in the beginning of next year. That would be the semifinals, and then the finals are in May. But there's eight of the best cruiserweights in that tournament. Uh, I also have uh, Alex Alcedo fighting on the 22nd in Tucson, Arizona, the 22nd of September uh, for top rank. I have Konstantin uh, Ponomar fighting a mandatory fight, uh, actually an eliminator on the 31st. Uh, we don't have the venue yet, but we're fighting a young man named Ocampo from uh, Mexico for the number one spot in the IBF uh, welterweight rankings. Uh, we have uh, Michelle Soro fighting the rematch for the number one spot against uh, the young man he just fought. Gosh, I forget, but it's sometime in December, I think, they're talking about. Uh, we have Dennis Shafikov also fighting on the 21st on uh, uh, Garcia's card. We have uh, Carson Jones fighting Antonio Margarito on the 2nd of September in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, let me see who else is in the gym right now. Oh, uh, we have two young guys. We have uh, Ruslan Madiev fighting on the Chocolatito card on the 9th of September at the Stub Hub in Carson, California. And we also have uh, Sergei Bohachuk fighting his fifth fight on Golovkin's undercard in, uh, in Las Vegas. Outstanding. Outstanding. You might be one of the busiest trainers in all of boxing. Look at all those fights. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fighters, yes. We have 10 fighters right now. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, Abel, in closing, I want to get your official prediction for September 16th, Golovkin versus Canelo. What is the official result? How does it play out from the opening bell to the finish? Uh, I think that, like I said, it's a difficult fight for three or four rounds. Uh, they're both going to hit each other. They're both going to... Uh, uh, land some very good shots, uh, but I think uh, Golovkin's physicality will take over probably about the eighth or ninth round and, and uh, either stop Canelo late in the fight or, or win a going away decision. All right. Uh, well, Abel, got to say it's a, a great pleasure as always having you, you come back on the show here. I, I thank you so much for your time, and I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to the fight, the fight on September 16th, Golovkin versus Canelo. I know it's going to be a terrific match. I know it's going to be a terrific event. And uh, I just wish you the best of luck going forward with the rest of your training camp and all the best going forward this year. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was Abel Sanchez talking about the huge upcoming fight between Canelo Alvarez and his fighter, Gennady Golovkin. And you can tell he's excited. He's excited this fight is finally happening. He's been wanting this fight for a very long time. He's been, you know, talking about the fight for a very long time, especially on the show where you know, it's you know, it seems a long period of time like it was never going to happen. That you know, Golden Boy was never going to take the risk. Well, the fight is is finally coming. You know, it's almost here. It's less than two weeks away. Uh, me as a boxing fan, I'm extremely excited for it. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm excited to to see you know if all the hype and all the talk was worth it. You know, because a lot of these fights, the more they're talked about, you know, the least that they live up to the the hype and the expectations of it. But this particular fight here, I think it has the potential to not only live up to the hype, but to exceed it, depending on what kind of fight and depending on what kind of performances we get from both fighters. You know, Abel himself said we're going to see a little bit of both, that we're going to see a little bit of boxing by both and maybe some slugging. You know, honestly, I think we're going to see a slug out. I really do. I just think at some point in that fight, we're going to see those two guys just go to war with each other because, you know, that's where pride starts to kick in. It's not just trying to box and trying to sneak away of a close win. At some point, you know, you're going to see these two guys go at it, and I just believe we're going to get that. You know, it's not going to be 
Hagler Hearns or anything like that or anything that's going to be like that, that type of crazy sustained action. But we're going to see moments. We're going to see rounds, and we're going to see exchanges that bring that type of action. It might be brief. It might be, you know, for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, maybe a little bit more. But we're going to see moments like that, and it's going to bring that type of excitement. You know, you're getting two of the best middleweights in the world facing each other to see who's really the undisputed best middleweight in the world. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a fight that boxing really needs. It's a fight that we've been all looking forward to. And uh, I'm just excited. It's almost here. I can't wait. All right, with that, I'm going to move things now to the upcoming week's fight schedule. And there is a very interesting big fight that is coming up. It's a rematch between Chakalito and Rung Visai. The first fight was a controversial majority decision for Rung Visai. And, you know, a lot of people have been questioning, you know, that decision, the fact that Chakalito lost his undefeated record with it. And now we get to see a rematch. We get to see who's a better fighter between them both once and for all. And I think it's just great that it's happening in their very next fight. You know, you didn't see Chakalito face some other fighter and, and maybe lose and, and, and stop the potential rematch. You didn't see Rum Desai lose to another guy and ruin that. I mean, these two guys should have faced each other. The WBC mandated it. And that's the fight we're going to get to see. And honestly, I'm excited because the first fight was good. It had some good, fun action moments in it. We saw the surprise of Roman Gonzalez getting knocked down early. And then, you know, we saw him overall take over later in the fight and, in my opinion, deserving a win. I had eight rounds to four, and obviously he got knocked down, so I had it 115-112. But the judges didn't see it that way. They gave it to Run Visai, and it's just good that this fight is going to happen and it's going to work itself out and see who's the better between them both. In my opinion, we're going to see a repeat of the first fight, but with a little bit extra. With not just Gonzalez winning the later rounds, but dominating those later rounds. I think he's going to knock out Rung Visai. I think he's not going to chance this fight going to decision. I think he's had enough fights where they've been going the distance, where he hasn't looked his best, that he's going to put all of his motivation, all of his efforts into this fight here, and I think he's going to go out and he's going to knock out Rung Visai. Somewhere around the 8th, ninth round, maybe around the 10th round, but he's going to win by stoppage. So, you know, that's a very good fight. It's a very good fight for boxing fans, so hopefully all you fans check that out. But that just about does it for this week's show. I'd like to thank all three of my guests, John Scully, Tom Loeffler, and Abel Sanchez. It was a pleasure speaking to all of them. I'd also like to give a special shout-out to our sponsor, IBO Boxing. They're one of the best organizations in the sport. Check out their website, iboboxing.com. See the rankings. See all their other champions out there. Check them out. Also, speaking of websites, make sure you check out our website, www.ontheropes.com boxing.com you'll find all of our latest show articles all of our latest podcasts everything to do with on the ropes you'll find it there and guys just enjoy your fight weekend and i'll catch you later don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a turbo tax expert file your taxes for you by march 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year turbo tax makes them count that means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.